Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, what's up, gang? This is Michael Rowe. I play Deadshot on Arrow, and you're listening to Next Level Radio. of DC Primetime now on podcast stands for your listening pleasure. From the showcast on the Next Level Podcast Network, I am Ben Beck. And from Caffeine Crew, I am Rob Martin. And this week, three episodes of the shows to do since obviously Supergirl has wrapped up for the season last week with still yet no word from CBS as to whether or not we're going to get a season two. I know, they really need to get a move on that. Yeah, let us know. I mean, like, if you're going to cancel it, just say you're going to cancel it. Stop keeping us hanging. I think I wonder if they're going to be waiting until San Diego Comic-Con. Um, That's a good possibility, because that's coming up in June? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know. I, I've been seeing a lot from uh, a friend of mine who I did panels with last year. goes by um, um, at Crazy for Comic-Con on... Uh, on Twitter, and he does a lot of panels and such. He's been tweeting a lot about San Diego, about how badges are going out soon and and such. So it's uh, yeah, it's getting around that time, and I'm sure, at least for the podcast, uh, we're going to see a lot of news coming out of uh, coming out of uh, San Diego Comic Con, which I'm sure we'll bring up and we'll talk about on the podcast as well. I'm sure it'll probably be a great length. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, since DC seems to be one of the people, DC and Warner Brothers seem to be at least some of the people who are still sticking around Comic-Con. Yeah. Uh, but uh, let's get into the first segment of the podcast, which is the bullet points section, where we rate each show and we give them a ranking of sidekick, hero, or legend. Starting off first with The Flash, Season 2, Episode 19, uh, which is titled Be- uh, Back to Normal. And Rob, we'll send it over to you for your ranking for this week. Uh, I'm going to go legendary on this week as well, or legend. Sorry. Uh, but yeah, a lot to enjoy about this one. And we got a little bit more expansion on the Zoom stuff. I mean, there was a couple odd points, but I still really love the episode. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm right there with you on this one. I'm giving this one a legend as well. I think this one, even though there was no Barry with a Speed Force, uh, still a lot of fun, still a lot of things happening. And it's really gearing me up for uh, the rest of the season. So uh, starting off next, we have starting off next. That made a whole lot of sense. Uh, But next up, we have Arrow season four, episode 19, obviously episode 19. So we're back on track uh, timeline wise, both with both these shows wrapping up at the same time. Uh, But season four, episode 19 titled Canary Cry. Uh, Rob, what's your ranking for this one? I'm going to go, I wasn't sure if I was going to go Legend or Hero on this one. Um, I think I'm going to go High Hero, because there was just one small plot section of it I didn't quite care for. All right. Uh, I'm going to go Legend on this one, and I do have a good reason why, and we'll get to that when we do things in the Secret Origin section when we break down the episode. I will say a lot of good emotional stuff. Though, yeah, and that is actually, that's that's part of the reason why I gave this in a, a, a Legend status as well. Um, multiple emotions, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and lastly, we have this week's episode of Legends of Tomorrow, titled Leviathan, Season 1, Episode 13. And Rob, what are you going to give this one? Going legend on this one. Really? Because I'm going to go a hero and a mid-range okay. hero, because I actually had a couple issues with this episode. Still a lot of fun, but uh, I had some issues. We had a kaiju battle in this episode. <laughs> yes, yes, um, and that actually is part of my issue. Okay. So, But we'll get into that. Uh, so let's move on to the Secret Origins section where we break down each episode. We're going to jump back to The Flash, as we, as we had mentioned, uh, Season 2, Episode 19, titled Back to Normal. Uh, synopsis is a metahuman with super strength named Griffin Gray mistakes Harry for Earth-1, Harrison Wells, and kidnaps him. 
demanding that Wells cure him from his current condition. Realizing another brilliant Wells could track Griffin's location, Barry asks Jesse to help. Meanwhile, Wally corners Joe about the Flash. Uh, so jumping into this one, obviously, as we had mentioned, we both gave this one a legend, so we both found this episode to be a lot of fun. Indeed. Uh, we'll send it over to you, and what do you think are some of the highlights of this episode? Uh, I Actually, I just really liked the fact that Barry didn't kind of like, you know, brood around too much in this episode. He was just kind of like, yep, I'm just a normal guy right now. But he still wanted to help. He still had the drive to move forward. Uh, there was a lot of good stuff, too, I think, with Wells and Jesse. Um, was a, quite a nice kind of touching side story that we got to see through this. Um, and, you know, it's nice to see Wally kind of putting things together a little bit and trying to want to make those connections with Joe about who the Flash is. and Finally getting to say thank you to Flash for saving him. Um, you know, showing that he's not a dumb character. It's it's him putting all the pieces together. Um I'm beginning to, you know, uh, but it, I think it was just really enjoyable and it was fun to get to see Killer Frost again. Yeah, yeah. And especially considering the fact that we saw Caitlin and Killer Frost meet for the first time. Uh, she, I mean, she knew, obviously, about Killer Frost, but they I don't believe and correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think they've ever seen each other face to face. I think this was the first time. Yeah, this was their first viewing. Yeah, uh, I love the opening. With the opening monologue and, you know, seeing what a normal morning looks like for Barry now, as opposed to how things were before. Um, and I, I can tell you right now that Hunter Zolomon is certifiably crazy now. Yeah, uh, yeah, very, very clearly. Hearing voices in his own head, hearing things from the past. And I did hear an interesting theory, uh, a new theory, one I, I had not heard before about the Man in the Iron Mask, which uh, we'll save for the end of the discussion for this show. Okay. Uh, but as we had mentioned, too, we also uh, got to meet Griffin Gray, who is a character from the Flash comic books. Uh, they did change him up a little bit. Um, he did, in the comic books, it's the same thing where he, when he uses his power, he does age. But in his in the comic books, I believe it's like a green aura that he emits, uh, they changed it around this time. They gave him super strength rather than that green aura. Right. Um, and I loved the mention of Dwarf Star Alloy. Yeah, the fact that they brought the Atom suit into this a little bit. That was kind of cool. Yeah, being incorporated into uh, the Flash suit, which makes me wonder if, that, if that's something. I love the little upgrades to the uniform as the show has gone on. Yeah, that's very true. It's it's nice that they're remembering that like they just have to keep kind of moving the tech forward, and they keep doing that. Uh, actually, I think I just go back and watch uh, the Chronicles of Cisco from last week, the the second episode. So I'll have to go do that after the episode this week. Yeah, I haven't I haven't watched the first one either, so I'm behind on that too. But I mean, I can fix that in ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Well, no, you can do that in two minutes. Actually, four because there's two episodes out now. So. Okay. All right. So so four so four or five minutes, I can have it done. Uh, we did get the full on. I mean, we've it's been implied throughout the course of this season, uh, but we did get the full on mention of other Earths, other than Earth One and Earth Two, mm-hmm. from Hunter Zolomon as he talked about conquering other Earths, other than his own. And it, he did make mention too that you know he's already brought this Earth to his knee to its knees, mentioning Earth One. Are we? I guess are we made to believe that Zoom is in charge of Earth Two at this point? It kind of felt that way, um, but they really didn't touch on that too much. I mean, I don't think we got a really good, clear idea of what really is happening on Earth 2. I think that's kind of like just you're just trying to put it together. Um, but I think it's just maybe he's more in charge of a lot of the stuff that's happening with the villains, potentially. But that's about it. Okay. Uh, do we think we're going to get another full-on Earth 2 episode before this season ends? Or do we think it's pretty much just going to focus on Zoom at this point and then... I think we're. I do think we're going to get another Earth Two episode at this point. Um, I think that's where it seems like it's going to be leading to, especially with Caitlin there. Um, I think we're going to see a couple more metas come over to Earth One, uh, and then them, you know, bringing the fight back to uh, Earth Two. Okay. To close out the season. Yeah, because I know we had mentioned last week too with uh, with uh, we're going to see the Earth Two version of Laurel as the Black Siren, and I know we were kind of debating on as to whether or not it's going to be on Earth 2 or she's going to come over to Earth 1, So, which is still yet to be revealed, so we'll just have to wait and see when that's going to be, which is going to be, I believe, the finale 
is when we're going to see that. I, I think so. I think it's either that or the episode right before the finale. So uh, a couple other things worth mentioning for this episode, at least on my end, and then we'll see if there's anything that we missed. Uh, their nice little Ace Chemicals Easter egg mention. Yeah, I thought that was pretty awesome. It made me that it it makes you wonder if they're just trying to squeeze in a couple more things just for fun. I think I, that's what it's the case, but yeah, I think so too. I mean, I think if you know they had to mention a chemical plant, the writers were kind of like, "Hey, let's just make it Ace Chemicals." You know, let's have some fun with it because Ace Chemicals doesn't just have to be in Gotham. Mm-hmm. So uh, we did get the first mention, and it made me smile when Doctor Wells, when Harrison Wells refers to Jesse as his little Jesse Quick. Yeah, I mean, I got to see that earlier in the season, and it was nice to see it nodded again. I think that's again that's going to be a, just a big build up. Yeah, it, but it makes me it makes me wonder if the if it's going to be this season or if it's going to be next season. Either way, I hope she becomes a permanent member of the team and doesn't leave at the end of the season. They did reveal a picture uh, for, of the cast right after they were finished filming the finale, and she is in the picture, so we know she's going to be around for the rest of the season at least. Uh, but I hope that she stays on board and she becomes part of everything. Yeah, I, I have a feeling she's going to be a, just an addition to the cast for next year. Because if you think about it, we did have a lot of Victor Garber last year and Firestorm in the background, Robbie and Mel. Um, and Jay was around. And if they're not going to have those characters, you know, it's the question of, you know, how do you expand your cast? And it, with Wally and her, it's a good way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And going into next week's episode, obviously, we're seeing a lot of Flashpoint, which I know you and I have both mode, both mode, both made recommendations um, as part of the DC Essentials part, uh, both of the graphic novel and of the the animated series. We're starting to see a lot of that now. And I think even going into next week is a big Flashpoint uh, point of interest. Yeah, I mean, I think we're getting to see the recreation of the accident that gives him his speed force. So uh, I, I kind of wonder if they're going to play it off a lot like Flashpoint, where it's going to go horribly wrong in next week's episode. And maybe they attempt again uh, with a very injured Barry. And uh, maybe you know he gets back to full speed uh, and is able to heal up for the first attempt and go from there. But yeah, I'm really curious to see how they're going to handle that next week. I am. Yeah, I, I am too. Uh, anything that I missed this week that you picked up on? I think actually that's a good, I think that that's kind of that big point. I think that's the idea that they're going to be doing another variation of the experiment. Um, I'm wondering if that's going to be our lead into Wally or Jesse as well, uh, getting the speed force. If it's, if they do it in star labs and it's basically kind of like we're sending out another, another pulse and it affects people in the star labs building somehow you know or shape or form so i think that's a good chance that that could be how we're going to see this go down uh i mean yeah i mean because the first time we did see this happen it did create a lot of other metahumans who weren't metahumans before so it, it could be something as you had mentioned you know jesse and wally that get the metahuman gene from this uh with caitlin being in earth too i could have said that you know, this is what could have created the Earth-1 version of Killer Frost, uh, but she is not there, so she would not be affected by this when it happens. Right, so it, it's I'm really wondering how they're going to play it off, like how they're planning on containing it so it doesn't go out of control through the city and, you know, start another wave of metas, but yeah, I'm really curious to see how they're going to do this. Yeah, I, I, I definitely am as well. Uh, which leads us to, obviously, next week's episode titled Rupture. Season uh, season two, episode 20. Uh, Zoom arrives back on Earth, intent on taking over Central City. Barry and Wells come up with a plan to stop Zoom once and for all, but it's extremely dangerous, as we had mentioned, which is going to be the recreation of the accident. Uh, unsure if he should take the risk, Barry reaches out to both fathers for advice. So we're going to see a return of John Wesley ship next week. Uh, unsure. Uh, I read that part already. Uh, Henry is and is uh, opposed to Barry risking his life again, but Joe thinks he can handle it. Which puts the which puts the two men at odds with each other. Meanwhile, Cisco is shocked when he vibes the Earth Two villain Rupture, who happens to be his brother Dante's doppelganger. Uh, so uh, Rupture comes to Earth One seeking justice for Reverb's death, and Iris decides she's finally ready to open up to Barry about her feelings for him. So a lot of things going to be happening next week. Yeah, a big payoff on that one. So it'll be nice to see that get some closure 
but yeah, I'm, I'm very curious to see how that week's going to go. I'm really looking forward to Rupture, uh, seeing a couple of the behind-the-scenes shots. The suit looks fantastic. Yeah. So yeah, I'm really excited to see it. I and think that means we're going to see maybe a little bit more of Cisco using his powers next week. I think we're going to see a lot of packed episodes between now and the end. I do too. Uh, I think uh, I'm, I'm sensing a lot of legendary statuses <laughs> between now and the end of Flash, Arrow, and Legends. Yeah. So, uh, but let's move on now to Arrow, which is the second show of the week episode, uh, season four, episode 19 titled Canary Cry. Uh, Oliver and the team struggle to come to terms with Laurel's death, especially Diggle, who is overwhelmed with guilt for choosing to believe Andy has changed. Meanwhile, Lance refuses to believe his daughter is really gone and asks Nessa to help bring her back. A recent canary, a recent black canary sighting in Star City only seems to prove his theory that Laurel isn't actually dead. Um, so obviously we got an introduction to a new character this week who I actually had to look into a little bit because I wasn't familiar, uh, but apparently Evelyn, who is the girl that takes on the Black Canary mantle, uh, is from Birds of Prey. And I, yeah, yeah, I was, I didn't get a chance to kind of get a chance to look into it. I knew the name rung a bell, but I couldn't place it. So yeah, apparently she, uh, in the comic books, Birds of Prey, she is a friend of Laurel who uh, does, I think, believe, end up eventually taking on the... Uh, I, I don't know if she takes on the, the mantle of the canary or not in the comic books. I can't remember if I read that part or not. Hmm. Yeah, like I said, I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll look into that, and we can talk about that really quick next week. Yeah. Uh, but I'll, I'll take a look-see on that. Uh, I know one thing that I actually really did enjoy about this episode. This was a very Paul Blackthorne heavy episode and for obvious reasons i mean he is the grieving father now having lost laurel and you know he goes through a majority at least the first half of the episode believing that she's not really dead uh you know especially with this black canary sighting he believes that she uh you know if if uh, if oliver can come back from being dead before and if sarah can can come back from being dead before why is it that laurel can't uh and he believes that she is for a little while and then once she he finally sees the body and realizes she's dead. He reaches out to Nessa, obviously, to do the same thing to Laurel that he did to Sarah, and that is use the Lazarus Pit, which is no longer in existence. It has been destroyed. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I think we definitely got a lot of great Paul Blackthorne out of this. I think we got a lot of good Ollie out of this week, too. Um, I mean, there was good, strong performances straight up. I mean, you can't deny that from any of the people that were in this week's episode. Um, I mean, I think the only one that maybe came off a little meh was uh, Diggle's um, kind of anger that you saw out of him. I mean, uh, you know, Ollie was very uh, big at pointing out to him. It's just kind of like, don't be like me kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I mean, I, I, I hope that they don't stretch that too, too much. But yeah, I think Paul Blackthorne was definitely the... The, the star of this week's episode. And yeah. I think he did a beautiful job. I, I think the only thing I really had an issue with was um, seeing the Black Canary mantle again, because um, this is now the third Black Canary we've had in the show, even if it is for just one episode. Um, well, that's the thing. I don't believe this is just for one episode. She still has the Canary Cry. She still has the uniform. I, from what I'm reading, I think she's going to be the new Black Canary. Oh, God, I don't want that. I really don't want that in the show. Um I don't know. Uh, that's that's what held me back. That was the big uh, point of contention I had for this week that I think kept me from giving it a legend. Um, I don't think we need to see a third Black Canary and Arrow in four, or four seasons. Um, I think that's a little much the same way I kind of I thought when they actually did kill Laurel. Uh, it's the third death of a Lance girl, you know, even though one of them one of them died twice. And it was just um, it's a little much to to do across four seasons. If you're doing a show for seven or eight, where you know, or like 10, like Supernatural, where the brothers die, it feels like one of them every other season, you know, you can kind of play along with that a little bit, but this just felt a little much. No, I mean, it's it'll be interesting because especially if they do bring her back, if they do bring Evelyn back to, to become the new Black Canary, um, it'll be very interesting to see how they handle it, especially considering that by the end of this episode, um, Oliver outs Laurel as the Black Canary. And it's mainly because of the fact that, oh, God, I can't remember her name, uh, Dark's wife. Uh, Ruve Dark. Ruve Dark, that's it. It's mainly because of Ruve basically wanting to try to start another crusade against the vigilantes, you know, calling them anything but heroes, calling them, you know, evil and killers and everything. And this is, 
even though she knows that Laurel was the Black Canary, she's still doing this as a, as a way to get against the vigilantes. And Oliver steps in front of it and says, this is not happening. And at the funeral of Laura, Lance outs her as the Black Canary. Yeah. So, and, uh, you know, I, I did like the fact that they did do that. And they had this, like, really nice touching moment. Like, I think her, her funeral scene was really well done. Alex Kingston came back to play uh, to play Dinah again, uh, Lance's ex-wife. So it was nice to see her make a quick appearance into the mix of this as well. And uh, the flashbacks this week were the flashbacks I like seeing in the show. I love when they do like a Diggle-centric episode and we see into his past. When they did, uh, you know, dead shots of going back into his past. And now we got to see that moment in between season one and season two of Arrow where you can see Oliver's reason to go back to Lian Yu. You got to see a lot more of Katie Cassidy in between that time. And you got to see them together and having this very touching moment after the death of Tommy Merlin. Um, that's the kind of flashbacks that you need to start focusing on in the show. Not any more of Oliver in the, you know, pre-five years from the island before he came back in season one, but break down these characters a little bit. Show us what was happening with them, maybe. I think that might be the right move. Yeah, they were they were flashbacks that, uh, I have a note of that as well, about the flashbacks. flashbacks. They weren't the flashbacks of Oliver and Lian Yu. We, these were flashbacks that actually felt like they fit into the episode because it was probably about a good three-fourths of the way through the episode that I realized, I'm like, wait a minute, we haven't seen any Ollie flashbacks. And then thinking about it, I'm like, okay, we have been seeing flashbacks, but they haven't been Ollie. And they fit so well into the episode that I didn't even realize we were watching flashbacks. Yeah, I mean, they they added something special, I think, to the episode. Yes. I mean, like, it, it. I think this is, if they can harness what they did in this episode and take that to heart for next season i think they could do something really positive and a, a way to turn the show around and last week we brought up in the news that mark guggenheim was even kind of said yeah the flashbacks in last season and this season are not being very well received and we're aware of that they're not going to go anywhere next year and they brought up you know the last year for ollie off of the island and i'm like no like you just proved that you can make the flashbacks interesting this week don't fall back on that old idea like yeah. you can maybe do it really quick in the beginning of the season, maybe do them every couple episodes, not every episode, and maybe those off episodes expand the knowledge of the past of the other characters that are in play. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I want to jump back a little bit, too, to go back to Diggle, as you had mentioned, too. We had a certain moment where Diggle actually stands in front of uh, Ruve Dark's limousine, and he has every intention of taking her out, basically, because it's a way to get to Damien Dark, you know, the same way that Damien got to Lance through Laurel. Uh, you know, he figures he's going to take the same approach and basically because he's blaming himself for the death of Laurel at this point. Uh, he trusted his brother and, you know, his brother let him down and his brother was the one that let Dark in and, you know, is the reason why Laurel is dead. So we see a moment where Diggle is going very dark uh, and not dark as in Damien Dark. He's just he's blaming himself and he's gone a little crazy yeah like you saw him put rounds in the two drivers that were driving the limo like it was like you know obviously very clear kills on those people and yeah I, i'm not quite sure i want them to go too much further down that road and unfortunately i think this is another situation where i think we're going to see more of this between before this season is over i, I mean especially we're seeing next week is a big Diggle and his brother-centric episode. So uh, we're going to see a little bit more crazy coming out of Diggle before this wraps up. I do, and I'm hoping that it's just going to be next week, kind of one and done, and that'll be the end of it. I'm hoping. So uh, anything else from this episode that that we're missing? Uh, yeah, we did finally see like that the the funeral scenes that were teased in the first episode. We saw the the cami- like the the little sequence too in the limousine between Felicity and Oliver. All that kind of finally came full circle this week. Uh, you know, Barry showing up, and one thing obviously I'm sure that threw a lot of people off is you could definitely tell this episode was he had his speed out, out of sync a little bit. Yeah, because uh, Barry had his his speed still. So I think this was meant to happen last week, but they had you know the the odd tweak in their break. And I think because they weren't in sync with Flash like they usually are, I think that's what threw that off. So I think this was meant to be last week. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I would say probably this. I would probably say next week because by the end of Flash last week, he didn't have his abilities. So with Arrow being the next episode and him still have them, I, I would think maybe next week after he gets his powers back. 
Possibly. It was a before or after. It was hard to really kind of tell, because you think he would have, that would have even been brought up on The Flash about the death of the Canary. I think yeah. I'd like to see on Flash um, those characters react to that, because this is a friend of theirs. So, well, I kind of hope that again, they do. we could still see that next week. We could. So, I'm, I'm kind of wondering if they're going to touch on that at all. Um, we know at some point, probably, they are going to discuss it. It is going to have to be brought up, especially with Laurel... Uh, with Black Siren coming over to Flash, I would think by then you probably would have had to have addressed it a little bit. So, uh, But going to the end of this episode, as you had mentioned, the funeral scene and everything coming full circle, the end of this episode is really what got me to give this episode a legendary status. Uh, there was so much emotion throughout this entire episode, especially sadness, and you know, with, with Quentin Lance realizing that his daughter is gone. By the funeral, you can tell he's come to terms with this. He, Laurel is, in fact, gone. There's no bringing her back this time, and or bringing her back like he, like he did Sarah. And by the end of this episode, after everything is over, that sadness has turned into pure anger and pure fury and revenge. And by the end of this episode, the way this episode ended with the scene in the limousine, I I literally found myself saying to myself, I'm like, okay, I cannot wait for the rest of this season to play out. Yeah, I'm I'm very curious to see because we haven't seen anything in Malcolm. He's still skulking around in the background somewhere with Hive. Um so I'm curious to see what we're going to see of him, how he's going to factor into the end of this, what Dark's ultimate goal is going to be. You know next week we're going to get a lot more of Ollie going up against this darkness on Lian Yu that he talked about very clearly in the limo that he just could not, you know, get past. So I'm curious on how this is all going to play out. Um, and I'm actually kind of you now curious to see some of these flashbacks, even though I'm still not invested in them. Yeah. But I mean, like, you know, like we're with Flash at the end of the episode. I'm always the episode always leaves me anticipating the following week. Arrow, I've never really been that way. I've been satisfied by the end of the episode, but I've never really been like, okay, I can't wait for next week. This is the first time I think in a long time this season where I was like, okay, I cannot wait for next week. Right. Because things are going to kick into high gear starting next week. Yeah. And I mean, like I said, I'm feeling that way, too, especially being so hesitant after last episode. Um, like mentally kind of being feeling a little off the grid with, with Arrow um, with the creative decisions that they made. But I, I can still say I'm still excited to see how the season's going to wrap. Yeah. Yeah, me too as well. Uh, but that leads us into next week's episode, which is season four, episode 20, titled Genesis. As Oliver and Felicity look for a magical solution to defeat Dark, a vengeance-driven Diggle gets a lead on Andy's whereabouts and heads off to confront his brother. Meanwhile, Alex takes Thea on a vacation that quickly turns into a nightmare. So uh, looking at the cast of next week, obviously it doesn't look like we're going to see any... Well, it does list John Barrowman as Malcolm Merlin, so I think we're going to see Malcolm Merlin pop back up onto the scene next week. Uh, but other than that, nobody really special or different. Uh, so I think it's just going to be another episode that's going to focus primarily on the current cast that we have now. Yeah, and I think we're next week, obviously, you know, we got the tease of it this week that Alex is, you know, obviously probably working for Hive and has been since the start, the uh, the campaign manager, because uh, you saw the new Canary um Aim his aim her sights at him, so I'm wondering if that's going to be obviously more than likely played up in that. That was something that they've kind of leaned towards and quite a while now. So wouldn't be surprised to see that reveal happen next week. Yeah, 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 most likely as well. Uh, that leads us into the third and final show for the week, which is Legends of Tomorrow, Season 1, Episode 13, titled Leviathan. Uh, Rip takes the team to London in the year 2166, three days before his family is killed. He believes this to be their final opportunity to take out Savage, who is unfortunately at the height of his power. However, the team discovers two key elements to defeating him, Savage's daughter and the means to kill Savage once and for all. Uh, so as I had mentioned in the beginning, you gave this one the legend status. I gave this one a mid-hero because I did have a couple issues with things in in this episode. Uh, but, you know, looking at my notes for this, we did get to meet Cassandra, who is Savage's daughter. Um, and I'm trying to think of... I guess let's just jump into what what do we think were some of the highlights of this episode because we might differ a little bit on this okay one. uh for me i know one of the things you said you, you didn't care for i did love the adam fight uh, it just made me smile um it was this big stupid 
monsters fighting each other. Basically, you know, we had, you know, the the robot in the, like, that's the futuristic Atom Tech. And Ray Palmer, you know, getting kaiju-sized. <laughs> Which, I, I you know, I, I, I can't remember for the life of me if he's done that much in he the comics. Never, he never has. He never has? Well, you know, he, it, again, it's a sci-fi show. They're having fun with it, and they're playing with it. And it, it was goofy. It was fun. Uh, and I don't have an issue with it. Now, I'm not I'm not saying that I didn't enjoy the fight. I had a big smile on my face because I love Ray. So, I mean, you know, seeing him having fun doing this fight, you know, seeing him having a fun, seeing him having fun fighting for his life. That's Ray. I mean, that's the that's his character. And, and Jax being his cheerleader inside the Wave Rider. It was just fun to watch. It was it, a fun scene. It was it, a really fun scene. It was. But and my issue with it is the fact that it's it's. It it never happened in the comic books. This is something completely new. It's something completely original. And unfortunately, I think my biggest issue with it is jumping away from DC for a little bit. We know that we're going to see this in Marvel's uh, Captain America Civil War, which is coming up and releasing next week. Um, we know that we're going to see Ant-Man do this. So I feel like this was almost kind of a blatant ripoff to beat Marvel to the punch. You know what, though? I, I, I'll give him, I'll let him have it because every time DC's dropped a single bit of information. Marvel's been there to stomp on them seconds later. So I'm going to give DC this one. <laughs> so you'll like, let them have it for now until Marvel does it next week. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it's exactly. Because you know what it is? It's like, I'll, I'll I look at it purely as simple as like, DC releases a piece of news that gets people excited. And Marvel's like, well, here's the Doc Strange trailer. And <laughs> yeah. They shut them down every second. So let them, uh, it's, uh, you know, let let DC have this one and be like, boom. The, the guy that gets tiny also can get big. If they yeah. want to do it in the show... Cool. Go that's for a, it. I enjoyed al- it. That's almost like the uh, okay, you know, Batman versus Superman is releasing next week, and Marvel's like, oh, here's Spider Man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's it, they they're both going to play up each other constantly, and you know what? It's just the nature of the business, and I think it's okay, and it, it gets them to be competitive with each other. It makes me happy that they do it. It's no different than when we talk about video game consoles or anything like that. It's competition is good. It's strives people to do things and move forward and do fun things and take fun risks and just sometimes again the keyword in all this is just fun and i think nobody really loses out in it so yeah well i mean out of all the out of the issues that i had with this episode um that was the bottom of the list so that's something i can just kind of look past and and such honestly if that was the only issue i had with this episode this episode still would have gotten a legend status for me okay Um, I do say, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the things I did love about this episode, I loved the chemistry between Cold and Cassandra. Yeah, that I, I thought really shined. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Cassandra stuck around, uh, if we didn't see a little more chemistry between the two of them. It would be fun to see. I, I really wouldn't have an issue with it. I think it was, they, they had a, a nice, you know, something special going on between the two of them. And, uh, I would not be opposed to seeing it either. No, not at all. Um... I'm trying to think. This was a very Kendra-centric episode. But you know what? It was the first time it felt like a Kendra-centric episode that worked. Yes. And that's why I really had to give it a legend, because we've been complaining for weeks and weeks and weeks that she needs to do something, and she finally did. Uh, and, you know, again, she had that breaking point at the end of the episode that we'll get to in a minute or two. But I really liked that she actually did something. And then I think it started kind of putting some of those flashbacks into context. It feels like it's, they're not flashbacks. It's her finally remembering aspects of her life. And I think that's what it was. It was just, you see Carter training with the mace. It's like, you need to do this. And it makes you think when you see her, it's like, nope, she remembers how to fight with the mace. And yeah. that's what that was. And I was just kind of like, okay, these all make sense. It's building her character through these flashbacks because the, it's the memories coming back to her. Yeah. Now, I, the three issues I had with this episode, number two on the list happens to play into the Kendra storyline. Uh, actually, they both do. But um, the second one on the list is obviously we found out that um, Cassandra is wearing a bracelet, which dates back to their time of their first lives, which we know, obviously, anything pertaining to their lives the first time is something that can be used to uh, to kill Savage. So they decide to melt, they, they steal the bracelet from Cassandra, they decide to melt the bracelet down and coat the mace in it, which turns the mace into a weapon that can, in fact, kill Savage. Uh, my issue with this, and it's basic continuity, how do you get that much metal out of that thin little bracelet? I know, I thought that too, but I was like, you know what, let him have it. <laughs> like you like... have to be a smelting pro to get like a full-on, like, full-on cup of that metal out of that little bracelet. 
Yeah. I mean, I agree with that, too. I mean, that's definitely was an issue. But you know what? It, the fact that we got to see her finally actually fight and do something, I was able to look past it for this week. I, I, again, I, number two on the list. Mm-hmm. Number one on the list. Uh, and this is an issue I don't know. I, I, I've kind of had in the back of my head, but it kind of came to the forefront this time. Obviously, we know there's a lot of things that happen leading up to the year 2166. We saw, you know, um, you know the the future of Star City, and I, I'm I'm very curious because I'm I want to see what your opinion is on this. They're in the year 2166, and they finally find a way to kill Savage. How does killing Savage in 2166 repair the timeline? I would think you would have to kill Savage. Bef- I understand if you kill Savage now, it's three days before Rip's family is killed. You're saving Rip's family, but it's not saving everything else that has happened up until this point. Star City is still going to become the Star City that we saw. Uh, you know, we're still going to see this uprising where everybody on the planet, you know, was was taken out due to this, you know, this virus that they sent out. These things are still going to happen if you kill Savage in 2166. This isn't really repairing much. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the big driving force of the show, though, forever has been the idea of Rip saving, you know, his family, though. I mean, I think they've really kind of hammered that home. And yeah, these things are still going to happen. But they did bring up, I think, early on in the season, though, too, is this is the moment that like Savage has complete control of everything. And this is where basically the future is just done for. Like, there is nothing beyond this point, like, or there's nothing positive beyond this point. Um and so I think that's really what they were trying to get at is, yeah, these other atrocities are going to happen. But you think about the, all the other atrocities that have happened in, in that future that we haven't heard about that are still going to happen, you know. So I think it's it's looking at that from that specific angle. Well, I mean, I, I can kind of understand that. But in my opinion, that kind of makes Rip a very selfish person. Because to, to go to 2166 and kill him there to save his family, in the meantime, all the lives of everybody else are completely ruined. I mean, I would think if you can kill him in 2166, great. This was a practice run. Now we got to go. Now that you know how to kill him and you know you can do it, now we got to go back to before all this stuff happened and you got to do it again. Right. But I mean, you did see that side of selfishness, though, from Rick uh, or Rip this week. It's um, think about the moment where Martin was bringing in all this, the people from the camp onto the Wave Rider and just be like, no, we're heroes. This is our job. We save people. It showed very clearly that he's got a very one-track mind in this moment. Um, you know, we saw even earlier in the episode, too, Rip bringing up the fact that you've seen this in, like, the Booster Gold comics and such. I think there was a great one done by Dan Jurgens uh, right around the time, I think, of 52 was being written, where you got to see him play in the time where Barbara Gordon was shot and him trying to save her. And it was just, it kept happening and happening and happening no matter what he did. And Rip kind of brought that up this week. It was kind of like, time wants my, my family to die. So I'm really kind of curious now how this is going to play off. Is this a kind of one of those moments that you see in those books where like this is meant to happen for a reason? Um, because it's maybe the idea that they have to die in order for Rip to go back and pull this team together. Um, this is important to make sure that these this lot is together for something even bigger than Vandal Savage. So I'm kind of curious on what's really going to go down with this. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I am curious. But again, that was something that... that popped into my head this week as i mentioned it had been in my head before this week it just kind of stood out uh you know as if killing him in the future how does that how does that repair the past hey they can always just do what every other time travel stuff does so far we've seen any shows and just be like it's a time remnant everything's fixed it's cool <laughs> yeah well i mean we do know that they're going to be taking him to see the time master so it'll be interesting to see how they handle that once he faces the time masters and you know are they going to just pull him from time itself and that'll repair everything so i mean who knows it, it, there's still three more episodes left of the show so we'll see where things go with it. yeah yeah there's there's so much more they can still do and again time travel is just i i hate to say that they use it as a crutch but they can totally use this as a crutch if they want to and find a way around it because they've been able to do it pretty successfully i think so far in this season of the show yeah. Uh, obviously, you had mentioned, too, the, the big snafu for Kendra by the end of the episode is when she is fighting Savage and about to win. We realize that one of the soldiers that comes in to kind of help Savage out is, in fact, the reincarnation of Carter. So we are seeing Hawkman back again in the flesh rather than a flashback. Uh, he is in the future, but he has been brainwashed. 
by Savage to to work for Savage, and Savage threatens Kendra, saying that if he if she kills uh, him, then he will forever be brainwashed. But only that version of him. So that, again, yeah, only that version of him that, will be that, brainwashed. That was my gripe. It was it's, well, it's just that version of him. So, yeah, exactly. Um, that was my actual only gripe in this episode. That made me kind of teeter a little bit because I was like, yeah, I was like, you know what? Because like my legend, I would say. It's it's a lower tier legend, but I'd still leave it as a legend for me. But gotcha. uh, I'm, I'm curious on how it's going to play off, and I did like the fact that she really did struggle with that, and you actually really saw it on her. Like I think Sierra Renee actually shined this week, and it was nice to say that for a change. Yeah, what are we? Twenty eight days now <laughs> without something incident. Like, tw- something like that. Yeah, I think hopefully. I think, I think I think we've heard the end of that, though. Yes, yeah, exactly. After that getting becoming such a large meme for a while, I, I think that they paid attention because they were still in production for a while. And uh, I think they, they paid attention like, oh, we should not use that anymore. <laughs> yeah. So I think I think we've we've heard our last last mention of barista in the show. I'm hoping so. so uh, obviously, one other thing we have to make mention of, too, is by the end of this episode, um, uh, Professor Stein is down for the count. He has been uh, hit by shrapnel from mm-hmm. the ship, and he is currently under sedation. And uh, we know, hope, at least we're hoping, he's going to recover. Well, they did mention at the end of the episode that he he's awake. Um, you know, so I I don't think we're going to see any problems with Martin. Uh, I think it was just taking him out of the equation, so it wasn't. You know, it was that fear of whatever they were up against. They didn't have like their big gun there to back them up. Yeah. Uh, I was kind of hoping by the end of this episode that with the empty seat on the Wave Rider, Cassandra was going to join the team. Well, we don't know. They're still going to be in that timeline next episode and then bouncing over to the Time Masters, so we'll see. So, But she still is on the ship as of the end of that episode. So, No, I thought they left her behind with the... Um... Oh, yeah, I think you're right. I think they, they left did. her behind. Yeah, they did. They do have Savage, though. So, yeah, I'm kind of curious on how it's going to play off. Yeah. Uh, anything else worth mentioning that we uh, that we might have forgotten? No, just really all in all, just a great uh, Captain Cold episode again, though, too. Just, yes. he, he was a lot of fun. Ray was a lot of fun. Jax was a lot of fun again this I, week, too. I it's... even think Mick was a lot of fun yeah. in this episode. He had a lot of... He he seems to be back to his one-liner self, but which, more, which I love. But more interesting than, you know, after the Kronos reveal. Uh, they they seem like they're having more fun with him. They, they took him away from dumb Mick, and now we've got, you know, wise... Wise, but somewhat, I don't give a crap, still Mick. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. That's a good way to put it. Uh, I want to, before we move on to anything else, I want to jump back to The Flash because I did make mention that I heard a new theory about the man in the Iron Mask and I completely forgot to do it before we left. Um, obviously, we saw the episode two weeks ago where Hunter Zolomon tells them, you know, when Barry asks who's the man in the Iron Mask, and Hunter tells him, you wouldn't believe me if I told you. I did hear a new interesting theory. Uh, that it could possibly be Zoom's father. Because we did never see what happened to his father. That's very true. So, so. Uh, just thought I'd make quick mention of that. Uh, just another, yet another person that could be the man in the Iron Mask. Even after the hearing that theory, though, I'm still sticking with my Jay Garrick theory. I, yeah, I, I think I agree with you. And the one thing that we also didn't mention in Flash Talk was, uh, got to admit to, the effect shot of uh, Zoom phasing through Caitlin to kill... Killer Frost was, with an icicle. Oh, it was super awesome. It was awesome. Yeah, it I was like, was. I was like, how could I forget talking about that? Because it was just such a great shot. Yeah, because we didn't mention, you know, that uh, Caitlin and Killer Frost were were working together to get out, only for Killer Frost to turn her back on Caitlin and want to kill Caitlin, and which is, resulting in her death. Yeah, so we yes. did miss that huge chunk in that earlier on. So, but uh, yeah, it was uh, it was uh, like I said, it was it was a good crop of episodes this week. I think they were all very enjoyable. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there hasn't been a dud in the bunch in the past couple weeks. So, mm-hmm. uh, Before we move on to DC Essentials and start to wrap things up, uh, we talked about it last week that we were going to do a little discussion on it this week. Do we want to talk to Killing Joke a little bit? Yeah, let's do it. Did you get a chance to read it? I did. I actually read it last night. Good. Uh, I finished it last night. I started it the other day, and I basically I, I wanted to – when I started it the other day, I wanted to finish it, but I just couldn't. Something had come up, and I couldn't. And it was bothering me so much because I wanted to keep reading. Uh, so last night, I, I just started it over because I knew – I'm like, you know what? I'm going to want to read it again. And I could not put the thing down. It is – I mean, it's an easy read. You can knock it out in a half hour, 40 minutes. I think it's like 60 pages. Yeah, something like that. Um. 
So an easy read, and uh, dude, I loved it. I thought it was so good. I I know it jumps back into the origins of the Joker, how he was originally the Red Hood, mm-hmm. which I do remember. And we're, 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 well, working, we're being forced to work for the Red Hood gang in order to have money for his wife who yes. was pregnant. Yep. Uh, who happens to die before he even gets a chance to do the do crime the job. itself. Yep. And it was just that idea of that one bad day can take any normal person and turn them into a monster. It was the idea of losing his wife and unborn child. Uh, the incident at Ace Chemicals, all these things just taking him to a breaking point. So, Yeah, yeah, to, to the point where he, re- he removes the hood and he is the Joker. And that's pretty much what cracks his mind. And he that's the origin of the Joker, which is I thought was really cool to see again, even though there's been different iterations of how mm-hmm. the Joker came to be. Uh, that is the one that I first remember was him working for the Red Hood gang and, you know, in a confrontation with Batman falling into chemicals and, and turning it, removing the mask to be the Joker. Yeah. I so mean, it this, was, yeah, this book is, you know, the source for so many iconic Joker things. I mean, the Red Hood stuff, the, the Hawaiian shirt, and the camera around his neck holding the gun, uh, that classic shot of him, like, holding his face after taking off uh, the Red Hood mask, and it's that panel that's filled with the entire background with all the ha-ha-ha. Like, all these iconic shots um, we know and love from comic books and Batman history actually all came out of this one book. A lot of them did. Yeah, and after reading it, too, I noticed, and I didn't, I never picked up on it before, obviously, because I had never read the book, but I honestly think that the Keaton... Batman and Joker took a lot from the killing joke um, very loosely obviously didn't follow it to a T uh, but I mean you know we saw it with the Heath Ledger version we we find it's a Joker that that wears makeup um, but you know with the Keaton Joker we f- we see that it is it's a guy who was working for a gang in a confrontation with Batman falls in the chemicals and comes out as the Joker it's very reminiscent to how it is in, in the killing joke and even with the scene where Barbara Gordon opens the door to the Joker standing there you know ready and waiting we see a scene similar to that in the Vicky the, Vale yeah. the Vicky Vale opening the door to the Joker obviously he doesn't shoot Vicky Vale and he's not wearing a Hawaiian shirt but again you know it is the open the door to reveal the joker scene from from the killing joke mm-hmm. so i think that tim burton might have even taken a little bit some uh, of the imagery at least yeah yes yeah from from the killing joke which i never really realized before never having read the comic book yeah and like i told you like you know reading that book it, it's it's hard to put down like you just said and uh there's there's always been so many interesting theories too because this was a book that was written out of continuity uh, that just writers chose to take from um and you know use that with what Batgirl was going to be. Batgirl was out of the picture in the books for a little while. She was kind of retired um, in the timeline of that book that Alan Moore wrote. And uh, when they chose to bring her back, and it was one of those people that just loved that book and said, I'm going to put her in the wheelchair and kind of treat it like Killing Joke happened. Um, so, yeah, it was something that was completely out of continuity. And uh, there's a wonderful writer, uh, Grant Morrison, you know, that actually did an interview with Kevin Smith uh, a couple of years ago on Fat Man on Batman where he brought up and they discussed the killing joke at, at a decent amount of length. And he kind of had a very interesting take on it that a lot of people kind of agree with, which was this was the final Batman and Joker story. Um, it was that those last couple pages with the Joker telling Batman a joke, you see them both laugh and it goes down to the puddle. And, you know, Grant Morrison and a lot of other people agree that that moment where it's silence was uh, Bruce finally killing the Joker when you don't see the focus on them. So, oh, okay. So there's been a lot of interesting thoughts. I mean, they can be read in so many ways, and you're going to take it how you wish to, to take it, but it's it's such an iconic book, whether you take it out of continuity as the final Batman and Joker story or just something that was this catalyst of a change of everything. So, Yeah, yeah, but I, I definitely dug it, and I'm kind of regretting never having read it before. And I, I'm sure that made you all that more excited for the uh, animated version. Oh, so. I cannot wait. Yeah, I and, really can't wait because I want to see it in its glory. It's a very intense, dark story, but it's a it's a very wonderful and uh, wonderfully written story that kind of really breaks down some very interesting things. Yeah, I mean, I know we had talked about this a little bit before because uh, you know I was a part of helping you guys record your your um, your cast of pods this past month mm-hmm. uh, or this past week, and I know I believe it was something that came up in a conversation that 
you know, anytime we think of Batman or we think of the Joker, we think of Mark Hamill, we think of Kevin Conroy. And when I was reading this comic, that's exactly what was in my head. I was thinking, you know, when I'm reading the dialogue of the Joker, I'm picturing Mark Hamill saying this dialogue. Or I'm hearing Mark Hamill's voice. And when I'm reading the Batman dialogue, I'm hearing Kevin Conroy's voice. So I'm very excited now because I'm going to be able to, I don't have to imagine it. It's going to be right there filling my ear holes, which I can't wait. I know. I'm very excited. And I think that's coming in like July. So, yeah, that's going to be pretty awesome. Yeah, I think I mean we'll definitely discuss it on the podcast once it once it's out. Yeah, um, and, and Lysen will nod to Mark Hamill too. Mark Hamill attended the um, the premiere of Captain America: Civil War, and there were people in the audience that said hashtag that had signs that said hashtag Team Luke, <laughs> and his reaction to it is it's so fantastic. It, it, I'm trying to figure out where you can find the video. I'll have to see if I can find it, and I'll send it to you, and we'll post it on the Facebook page and and such. But uh, just his reaction is so priceless. Uh, You know, it's one of those reactions where he's like, oh, this is for me, and just runs over to them and, like, starts hugging them and and such. So it's just a nice little nod to Mark Hamill. And I'm really, really trying to get him on to talk about The Killing Joke as well. Cool. So, uh, but with that being said, let's move on to the DC Essentials portion of the podcast where we reveal some of the news, the newest news in the world of DC, as well as give you recommendations for the week. Uh, do you want me to start off first again, or do you want to kick things off? Um, how about I'll kick off and then you can follow up with after that and we'll just kind of go back and forth. That works for me. Okay. Um, well, one of the smaller stories this week, uh, we did get confirmation that Jeremy Irons will in fact be in the Justice League movie um, since it's going to be kind of a focal point on Batman building the Justice League. So it sounds like uh, Jeremy Irons' version of Alfred will be playing a very integral role in that. So, uh, Yeah, and speaking of characters from the Justice League, the Flash movie loses its director. Uh, Seth Graham Smith was attached to direct the superhero film starring Ezra Miller, but is leaving over creative differences. Yeah, uh, there's so a lot be... to unpack here. Actually, we've got a couple stories that all tie into this, so we might as well just throw them all together here. Uh, you have another one, so I'll let you go, and then I'll I'll do the next one after that. Um, following off the story of uh, Seth Graham Smith's leaving, uh, it sounds like there's some rocky waters ahead, too, for James Wan uh, over in the Aquaman flick as well. Sounds like there is also a little bit of rumblings that he's having some issues with the creative control, whether it's uh, the idea that he's not quite sure if maybe this is going to work. But the way he's been talking about it behind the scenes, he's been very, very excited. So I'm wondering if this is just the rumor mill spinning up with uh, Seth leaving the Flash flick. So it's that's a big wait and see. But I think I'd actually be a little bit surprised if James Wan did leave that picture, though. Okay. Uh, but again, tying off of that, piggybacking off of that even more, uh, Zack Snyder and WB, Warner Brothers, reportedly at odds. Yeah, yeah, they're um, apparently going at it pretty heavily. Yeah, with the Flash director, Seth Graham Smith, ducking out of the Flash, and James Wan may or may not be leaving Aquaman. Uh, Snyder and WB are butting heads over Justice League and the rest of the movie universe. Uh, the director and DCCO Jeff Johns were astonished at the negative response to Batman versus Superman. And with those reactions in mind, Warner Brothers is not happy with the direction Justice League is heading. So, um, and, and you know what? I've, I mentioned my, my friend, you know, who works, uh, panels at Comic Con, uh, at Crazy for Comic Con. Um, him and I were going back and forth on Twitter and he seemed to agree with me too. I think it's too much to put one universe on the shoulders of one man. Yeah, I, I do. And the only type of person I'd be okay with it is, again, Jeff Johns that we mentioned, you know, a couple of weeks back about him being, you know, the creative officer, kind of being like, the, you know, Kevin Foggy of, uh, of the DC world. Yeah. I mean, it's, look, Man of Steel, I liked Man of Steel better than Batman versus Superman, and I didn't like Man of Steel. Man of Steel didn't get the greatest of reviews. Batman versus Superman got even worse reviews. It's obviously this is going in a bad direction. It, if you're still going to continue on with this universe, which, believe me, I want to see it. I would love to see a Justice League movie. But I think it's time to change things up. I think there needs to be a new captain at the helm. And I uh, think what Warner Brothers is, is addressing that, and I think that's why you're seeing so much tension. It's... Uh, Zach was the person that was responsible for a lot of the direction a lot of the other movies were going, and I think Warner Brothers is not showing faith in them. That's why you're seeing people like Seth Graham Smith leave, but even though they're seeing, it sounds like most likely his variation of the script will probably still be in play, 
but uh, I, I would not be shocked to see the reins tightened really hard on uh, Zack Snyder for this film. And I think you're going to see a lot of top brass really getting on his side uh, and well, not like going against what his, his thought process is and say, no, this is not going to work. And I wouldn't be shocked if we saw him maybe removed from this picture. I wouldn't either. And as a matter of fact, I would actually probably have a little bit more faith in justice league uh, if he was removed yeah. from this picture. And it's not to say that, it, that movie would not be able to be saved. We've seen a lot of movies where directors been pulled from and the, the outcome is still a positive. I mean, you know, obviously there's the other side of that as well, but I think all in all, this is not a bad move. And I wouldn't be surprised if this continues on to see uh, Zach to say, I'm done. Uh, I'm walking from this, from this flick. Um, so we'll see. I mean, it, it only just started production. So, you know, I, I think we've got, uh, there's time to fix things. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that as well. So, um, I still have at least one other news story. I don't know if you have anything else you want to. I got a couple things, but why don't you why don't you jump into the next one? Uh, okay, uh, I will just end up with mine and with the penultimate episode synopsis for Arrow and Flash have been released. Uh, for those of you who don't know what the penultimate means, it is the episode before the finale. Uh, official synopsis for the Flash, which would be I think it's episode twenty two, since the finale is twenty three. Uh, after Zoom unleashes an army of Earth-2 metahumans on Central City, Barry is shaken when he sees their leader is the Black Canary's Earth-2 doppelganger, the Black Siren. So we know she's actually going to be one of the villains in this one. Uh, meanwhile, Wally takes to the streets to help the Flash stop the metahumans, which worries Joe. Uh, Iris and Henry are concerned about Barry taking on Zoom. And, of course, the synopsis for uh, Arrow... The penultimate episode of Arrow, same thing, episode 22, titled Lost in the Flood. Following the shocking events in the previous episode, which obviously we don't know what they are yet, Oliver and Diggle race to rescue Thea, while Felicity, Curtis, and Noah join together to stop Dark. So uh, it's going to be interesting. Again, I think we're going to see a lot of packed episodes from both shows between now and the end, uh, which is going to lead us. We know both shows obviously have been renewed for a season 5 of Arrow and a season 3 of Flash. So... Uh, I'm, I'm very interested. I'm, I'm, I'm invested at this point for the rest of the season. The other uh, big source of news we know too that we didn't talk about with uh, the movie universe that it has been. It seems like to be almost. It's rumored, but I think there's been a lot of confirmation on the snail. Ben Affleck, Jeff Johns are going to have complete creative control of the Batman solo flick. Uh, but it sounds more like along the lines of where Ben was going to be able to call most of the shots, and Johns is there pretty much as his direct consultant to make sure that they're staying in line with the mythology. So that's a very also additional positive. So, yeah, I think that's got a lot of potential. I, I think, think it's got a lot of potential. Yeah. I mean, like I, I forget who said it, but it's the idea is this could potentially be an Oscar, uh, an Oscar award winning Batman movie. Who knows? <laughs> Which would <laughs> so, be amazing. So we'll see. It's a big wait and see. Uh, another real quick tidbit, too. We mentioned a couple weeks back, it sounded like the runtime of the extended edition of Batman vs. Superman was going to be over three hours. That has been confirmed. And the movie will clock in at 181 minutes. which so is th three hours and one minute. Three hours and one minute. So that has been confirmed. Um, a character that we've seen from Season 3 of Arrow will also be making a pseudo-appearance in Suicide Squad. Uh, we do know Katana is in the flick and is loyal to Rick Flagg, uh, kind of keeping the squad in line. And she will have her infamous Soul Taker sword with her, but with the Soul Taker sword usually means that there's another character that we know from Arrow Season 3 that's a part of that, which is Maceo. So we do get confirmation that Maceo's soul will be present inside the Soul Taker and Katana will be convening with him. So kind of, uh, kind of nice that they're not leaving that little tidbit out. Um, and I think finally we did get also, it looks like true confirmation from Warner Brothers on who the dead Robin was in Batman versus Superman and all signs are pointing to Jason Todd. Uh, just the other day on April 27th, they did put a picture up of that glass case shot with the, uh, destroyed, um, Robin suit up there saying 20 years ago today. And, uh, yeah, uh, and it said April, you know, for April 27th and, uh, I forget if exactly it was 20 years ago uh, when that book came out, but uh, that book did come out on April 27th in that infamous Death of the Family episode where uh, Batman could not save Jason from the hands of the Joker. So yeah. so kind of a nice little nod. Um, 
I think there was uh, you mentioned there was something that just popped right before the show too. There was a trailer that came out. Oh yeah, um, I almost forgot about that. Uh, AMC has released, and they released it on Facebook, and probably you can find it on their website as well. Uh, the one minute teaser trailer to Preacher is now online. So uh, it definitely looks pretty awesome. Um, I'm hoping they stay true to the comic books, which are very graphic. So, uh, but AMC has been able to get away with a lot of things like that, especially with The Walking Dead. So I, I think maybe Netflix or HBO might have been a better bet for Preacher. But I think um, if it wasn't going to be one of those two, if it wasn't going to be a network, I think AMC can pull it off. So I'm excited for Preacher. Yeah, and uh, we didn't even bring up a couple of weeks ago, too, that there was bootleg trailers of uh, Killing Joke floating around. They did finally release the official version of that uh, earlier this week. I think it was like Monday. So you can check that out as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, I think that's going to wrap it up for this week then. Yeah, so just quick recommendations. Uh, yeah, um, I'll let you go first. Uh, as I mentioned last week, we were talking Rebirth and we're building up to the end of that uh for the end of the month and we did say green lantern last week so i'm gonna say you definitely want to also check out the flash rebirth which is the return of barry allen which pretty much is very very much coincides with season one of the flash so i think it's a you get to see a little bit more involved when that character did return um after a final crisis so i definitely recommend checking that out Kind of get again getting that idea of what a, what rebirth really is going to mean, and it's just a, a nice way to reimagine the characters, move them forward in fun ways without throwing a lot of the past out the window. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and like I had mentioned before too, I think rebirth is. You had mentioned rebirth is a good jumping on point for people who uh, might have gotten out of comic books or are trying to get in the comic books. So I think uh, I think this is a good point for me to jump into the DC universe because I followed Marvel a little obviously much much more than dc uh so i think this might be a good point for me to jump back into the dc universe yeah and that uh, that rebirth special comes out may 25th so like i said we're uh, less than a month away yeah uh my recommendation though speaking and sticking with comic books is this coming saturday may 7th get your ass to your local comic book store because it is free comic book day um, a lot of local shops do a lot of great deals. I know the shop local to me does really awesome deals. I mean, he does whole do like variants, which are ordinarily like twenty five and fifty dollar variants. He puts them up for like seventy five seventy five percent off. Um, so he does a lot of great deals. He usually has like free pizza and soda for anybody that comes out, and you could pick up to like five or six of the free comic books that are on the shelf for the night. They a lot of comic book stop short shops make a big spectacle of free comic book day because it's a big day to bring in new business. So if you don't have already have plans to do so, I know my shop actually is doing a midnight opening on Friday at midnight for free comic book day on May 7th. Yeah. So, and I will be there for it. So if, if you don't already have plans uh, at some point during the day on Saturday, support your local comic book shop and head out to free comic book day. Yep. Uh, I think that's about it. So it's time for a couple cheap plugs before we get out of here. Uh, of course, this podcast is part of the Next Level Podcast Network, which you can find this podcast and all of the other podcasts at nextlevelradioonline.com. Find us on Facebook and give us a like, facebook.com slash nextlevelradioonline. Follow us on Twitter at NXT Level Radio, and you can catch me on my other podcast, The Showcast, also on the Next Level Podcast Network, which posts every Monday morning which is a, a pop culture podcast where we have a lot of the celebrity interviews such as Paul Blackthorne, Michael Rowe, and and such. And, of course, email me, ben at nextlevelradioonline.com or anything addressing DC Primetime. You can address both Rob and myself at uh, DC Primetime at nextlevelradioonline.com. Yep. And you can always check my, our stuff out as well, too, at caffeinecrew.com. Uh, and you can always find us on Facebook and Twitter at caffeinecrew or email me at thecaffeinecrew at gmail.com. Uh, ben did mention earlier uh, the other podcast I do as well that Ben appears on pretty frequently. And quite a few people you've heard on this show um, have been on there as well. That is the Caffeine Crew cast of pods, a new episode. And it's uh, just went up just the other day. It is a monthly geek culture podcast where we try to dig into some of the heavier stuff and have quite a bit of fun along the way. So you don't hear much DC talk over there since we moved all that to here. So, But if you're interested in geek culture, it's a fun Fun little uh, show to check out, and uh, we actually had quite an amusing episode this <laughs> past week, thanks to Ben. I was actually going to say, if, if if you weren't going to mention it, I was going to mention it. Be sure to download uh, this week, this month's episode of Caffeine Crew Cast the Pods, because we played Jelly Bean Roulette, 
and it was, it was the jelly bad. yeah the jelly belly bean boozled and we did four rounds of it throughout the show and it sucked <laughs> but it was so it was, much fun it, it's it was so fun. much fun it's fun it's fun to listen to but as a participant in it it was not the most fun <laughs> so that episode number is the caffeine crew cast of pods episode number 26 so yeah it, it was a, it was a lot of fun and i have a blast doing that podcast every time you guys invite me to come out and do it so yeah it's a fun show so make sure you, if you enjoy the show go head over and make sure you check that show out as well yeah. uh and uh as always as we close out every week too we always say a special thanks to george shaw and george shaw music for your intro and outro music make sure you go out over to his page check out his music head over to his soundcloud there's a lot of great stuff yeah yeah absolutely uh cool so with that being said we're going to wrap things up and head out of here until next week uh so until then uh again check out your local comic book shop check out our recommendations if you have anything you'd like to recommend to us or any comments you would like to say about anything that we've said about the show email us at dc at next level radio on dc primetime at next level radio but until then we will see you guys around the bend take care peace <laughs>